the better festival. You can have all the other sadnesses. The yellow leaf on the burnt path, the silverware hopelessly scratched, the evening news and the morning news, the funeral, the rut gut, the crappy tax sale, the dead fish seasoning the shore, the memorial, the wake, the Ono no Komachi poems, all of April 1998, the Lunar New Year murder, English as she spoke and the attempt to resist an inevitability that you yourself created. The fourteenth way of looking at Blackbird is mine and a couple of other sad experiences rolled into a ball of pie dough as an object lesson in fragility for the Butter Festival by Mary Rufo. Welcome to the third episode of Poetry to Your Ears podcast. Very excited to be back behind the mic for this. You? Yeah. You're just making a noise there? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm Lulu. It's exciting. Your co host. And uh, I'm here with Tom. Hi. And um, of course, last uh, last week's episode was very severe and heavy, and so I think we were, you know, it was very important to do, and um, we had a great poem that featured there, a couple of great poems. Yeah. Um, but it's it's good to be. We had some rest, and now we're a bit more in a playful mode, <laughs> and uh, this episode hopefully will be a bit lighter. Yeah. So, resident poet Lulu. Yes, that's uh, me. What, what poem do you have for us this week? Um, it's a poem that I wrote for a submission um, of a friend's magazine, poetry magazine. And it's about my experience mm. of reading poetry out loud for the first time. So I wrote it in French because the magazine is in French. And then you enjoyed it. And you said, this is really good. It should be on the third. Yeah, on the third episode. Yeah. So I translated it to English. And I think it works out pretty well in English. So it's about um, reading your poems live. Yeah. Performing. Out loud, specifically. Right. Okay, great. Let's hear it. Let's hear it again. I read a poem out loud in front of you. All hairs out. You see my soul through my fingers. They are shaking. I am telling you my story. It's not that interesting. Everyone has stories more important than me. Mine is banal, really. But you are listening. Your ears bent towards my mouth. Your eyes dived into mine. For once, it's not my breasts. It's so precious, this moment. It's a crystal ball that I am holding in my hands. They are shaking. My stomach is tickling. My throat is scratching. My armpits are sweating. My cheeks are blushing. 
I want to drink, I want to get out, I want to take some air, I want to sit down, I'm going to collapse. But I am staying. This ball in my hands, my mouth on the mic, my voice in your ears, my story in your body. Big breath. Thank you. My legs leaves, but my heart stays. That's great. I love the end. <clears throat> my legs leave. It's um, it's like so familiar yet different. Yeah, we usually think of our we 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 think about walking away or leaving, but we we don't really think about our legs leaving. <laughs> yeah. I had some issues uh, translating this very last bit because I didn't know mm. whether to write my legs are leaving and my heart is staying or my legs my legs left and my heart uh, stayed I didn't know really the what tense to use um, so I opted for that for that one hoping it works out for anglophone ears <laughs> and have you have you read this poem live yet no it's uh, it's a preview because the French version is I submitted for the magazine. Hopefully, mm. I will be published. <laughs> I don't know yet like, when we record mm. uh, this episode, but the English version is different in a way. It's its own poem. Yeah. So th tell us a little bit about that. So I I know that you've been writing. I would say most of your poetry this past year in English. Mm -hmm. Um. What made you want to write this in French? Uh, just because I wrote it for the specific submission. Right, it's a French magazine. Yeah, by my uh, by a friend of mine called Clementine. If you hear this, lots of kisses. <laughs> and she's just started her poetry magazine. Oh, what's it called? Uh, it's called Mouche, which means fly. Oh yeah. And um, they were looking for poetry and black and white photography on a specific theme. It was a quote, and you had to interpret it in your own way. And I wrote, it, it was uh, like drinking a liquid and then not being able to breathe. A friend of mine interpreted, interpreted it as poison. And I took it in my own way, which was um, stress, in a way. Being on stage and wanting to drink, but not being able to. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. You know. Yeah. <laughs> That's not in the poem, though, is it? An allusion no. to wanting to no, uh, have some I, I say courage. I want to drink, I think, <coughs> but I can't. Something like this. It's really loose, mm. you know. Yeah. And um, there's, there's this kind of popular idea in my mind, at least, that it's it's not possible to translate poems. Um, although, given some of the examples that I'm going to bring up later on, th those are translations, but. Okay, I'm going to go back. <laughs> I'm going to go back <laughs> online on this because Eloise is looking at me very funny. No, just um, just because you your mic, that's good. You can keep going. Um, this it's interesting. There's this, this idea uh, that that it's not possible to translate poetry from one language to another. You lose, unlike prose, you lose a lot of the essence because the the meanings are so specific to the, the specific playfulness of the words that you use in that language, that particular language. So um, 
Do you have anything to say about that? Do you find it difficult to translate from French into English or, or vice versa? I don't agree. Yep. <laughs> Can I not agree? Is that okay? It's not possible to. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, well, go ahead. How, how yeah, well, my brain is in both languages, right? And uh, when I write, some bits come in French and some bits come in English, and sometimes I write bilingual poetry. And mm. um, so many poems that I write in English, I I wrote them in French first. And then f just for communication purposes, I translated them to English. But in a way, it's through my, my brain, which is the same person. It's two different parts of my brain. And I think the poem that is translated is pretty faithful to the, I guess, original version. But the I think they're both original versions, to be honest. Um, so it works out, but I, I understand how it's hard to translate by someone else with a different culture. From maybe a different time From a different well, time. Looking back. If you translate a Japanese poem into English, it must be really hard. But right. the kind of poems uh, that I write, it's for the same audience in a way. Like the, the French audience or the English audience. Is I see. It's culturally in many ways similar. Exactly. So there's some puns and stuff like this that I cannot translate. It's a bit annoying. Uh, so I can lose some of that, but it also adds up, you know. Um, so I think it's more about culture. Yeah. And that's that's really interesting. How do you see your audience, though? I mean, I, it does it work that your your French audience reads English, or because I would believe that it's difficult for a lot of the English people in your audience to read French. How do you how do you feel about the, those differences? Well, I don't have much of an audience so far. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, when I want to share a poem in French, it's way harder for me. So in a way... Um, you don't feel you're possibly excluding people by... A couple of people, but... Writing in a uh, specific language. You don't yeah. translate all your poems, do you? Always, I, you're always excluding people in a way, because when I write in English, I know that uh, French people um, would not get all the subtleties, maybe, or it wouldn't resonate uh, in their heart the same way that a French poem would. But it's it's a, the weird thing about um, living abroad, I guess, you know, where your language is not set. And um, it's always a, a challenge, uh, something to navigate around. But I found it easier to write in English, uh, living in England, you know, because in the summer I wrote a couple of poems in French and then I made a little zine oh. that I wrote myself. And uh, when I came to sharing it, well, I had no one to share it to because all the, half of the poems were in French. Yeah. You know, so then I learned from this. I was like, well, you, if you live in England, you're gonna have to write poetry in English. I love the the name of um, love the name of your your zine. The second one that you did, what was it? it was, um, plants made plants. of plastic. And wh wh where does that come one. from? Uh, that comes from someone from else's poem. Right. Yeah, that I really liked. I don't know. It was really spontaneous. I had mm. my zine. I didn't really have a common theme, and I liked this poem. And I thought. It's it's kind of striking. You think of plants as being this really natural, beautiful thing, but made of plastic is kind of the the industrial part. You know, the the lack of meaning, this kind of thing. 
Um, What's the name of the 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 poet? Harley. I have to double check, but I don't have the scene on me now. You kind of caught me off guard. Right. Did you um you didn't have any qualms about using somebody else's phrase for your? I quote them zine? on I quote them on the front page. Right. Okay. It's just a shame we don't have the the zine on us now. You ran out of yeah. copies of it, actually, didn't you? Yeah. So I made this zine specifically uh, to raise money for Afghanistan. Uh, it was just after Kabul was uh, taken by the Taliban. And um, someone had the idea of doing um, fundraising with art. So I did my own little thing and mm. I sold 10 copies. And um, I raised 120 Pounds. Oh, how much did they cost each? <laughs> <laughs> you added some extra. Yeah, I, I can Some extra it. money in there as well from other sources. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, that's great. Uh, mm. That's really great. Um, and th- this kind of nicely brings me to the other topic of the episode, which is: uh, is is poetry important? What is the importance of poetry? I mean, we started this podcast. Uh, it's both important and useless. <laughs> yeah. It's important in the fact that it's useless. It's not making shoes. It doesn't have that practical need. Application. Need, yeah. right. Right, it's on another level of needs, but as humans we need mm. meaning, we need art in general. Yeah, well, you could say that, you know, hu- narrative is intrinsic to human beings. Humans need some form of narrative in their lives. They need to tell a story about themselves and their society and their world. So it, yeah. it's, a, it's a need in that way, right? Yeah. Poetry and kind it, of fits into that. It's funny because um, when I told my dad I was a bit more serious about poetry, he was, he told me like, yeah, you know, the Greeks and the Romans, they saw poets <laughs> as uh, the mediation between God and the, the gods and the humans. <laughs> mm. And it made me think, actually, of the importance of poets in um, oral cultures who, you yeah. know, who didn't have any um, written... It's a lot easier to remember a poem than a prose novel yeah. story. And in a way, right. if, if I think the definition of poets was really loose, right? Because Homer is a poet, you know, who wrote the mm. Odyssey. is a poet, but he would also be considered... Maybe a novelist in our time, you know. The socially ritualistic origins of poetry. Yeah. So I've got here in my notes. Do you have them? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And if we think about the importance of songs nowadays, it's huge. You know, how many lyrics are there in songs that move people? Yeah. That make them go through through life and through uh, challenges in their life, you know, so... The, yeah, they're very close, aren't they? Uh, songwriting and lyrical verse and poetry. And yeah, sonnets. I think it's just but because the kind of poetry that we think of is it's kind dead, of the d- it's dead kind people, of, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's kind of like um, the dominant form of poetry in our age now is yeah. songwriting, like you know, in the same pop way songs like Adele or something like this, even. Yeah, in the same way that classical music today is expressed through um, movie soundtracks. So we just moved genre and gave them different terms, but at the core, they're really similar things. 
says here in my notes, the poet is an originating, sensitive instrument that responds to nature. What does that mean to you? I don't know how is the poet an instrument. Well, it's a, an instrument through which nature speaks, maybe? That's just what I'm guessing from this. Like a channel? Yeah, like a, like a channeling agent. It kind of alludes to what your your dad said about yeah, there's the idea of mediation, right? But I don't think nature, the goal of nature is to speak to poets. I think it's just poets finding meaning mm. <laughs> in nature and spending more time um, than, I guess, less creative people in finding meaning in nature. So so would, would, would you say that your conception of poetry is more to delight and kind of enjoy than teach or serve some kind of social role? Um, I'm more of the school of getting through political ideas <laughs> in so poetry. So that, that would seem to counter, contradict what you're saying. You seem to take poetry quite seriously as a as something that can be quite useful for moving people's opinions so, and minds, I mean, I think, hearts. I think it's got both, both roles, right? It's not one or the other. It depends what kind of poetry uh, there is. So when you see, when you think of poetry that talks about autumn and uh, the seasons changing and the sea, how it's beautiful and how it moves you all off poems, this kind of things. It's more about... Um, making people stop i guess in their life and um see the world differently mm. but there are also more psychological or so socially engaged poems um so there are some poems that talk about migrants being left in the in the sea that's really just by the nature of the subject is political and i would if say even now autumn Poems about autumn can be political because you can talk about climate change, you know, you can talk about, you can make metaphors. Um, but in a way, they're all there to touch you in an emotional way. They're not there exactly to convince you with facts and there's just a different uh, discourse, you know. Right. We, yeah. This kind of reminds me of what we were talking about. Uh, earlier as poetry can be a kind of short 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 story it can it can tell the story very quickly and you can almost find expression in the gaps of the poem as well you can kind of yeah and that's what I was saying that in a way poetry is very cultural because to understand what is meant between the gaps or in the gaps between the words, um, well, you need a lot of common understanding, and that's why um, studying old poetry can be really boring because we don't understand anything of what they're talking about. And you need all this big context to mm. say, oh, they're actually talking about uh, a war between France and England. Right, much of the language is. Yeah, and the vocabulary is very and different. Unfamiliar. So it's a real studying. But uh, so is uh, all the literature, right? And in a way, it's just about storytelling in general. It's storytelling 
to move people or is it to tell a message? It, it can be really be both. Right. There, there yeah. are some books that really change your mind um, about an issue or about that make you understand people better. And some people, some books that are just to make you delight in in the world and in being human, being alive, you know. <laughs> it is, they just serve different purposes. And it's all part of the same one umbrella, which is, I guess, storytelling. I've got this great quote here from uh, Cole Coleridge. Um, the power of poetry is the power of gifting the power of giving the interest of novelty by modifying colors of imagination. That's nice. It's, it, it's interesting. It touches on this idea of novelty in poetry. As one, of, they actually allude to it as one of the two. They, uh, one of the two main features of poetry. Novelty. Yeah, in a way, I think uh, so is humor. It's got a really common uh, thing with humor, which is see, talk about something or see some see some a situation that is really familiar under a different angle that is novel. That's what's funny. Yeah, yeah, that's in, interesting. In comedians, right, is that they talk about um, taking the elevator, but in a way that would be funny. Mm. Because <laughs> it's novel, and I think poetry can do that as well. Right, yeah. Give like a, a fresh perspective on something that's overly familiar. The same mm. way you say, oh, I'm used to saying I, I left or I'm leaving, but I'm not used to hearing uh, my legs leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I think using the, was it good in poetry is when you use very specific words, really specific body parts, or you, I don't, I don't remember all all the terms, oh, I know them in French, um, when you talk about a, a part to refer to the whole, I think can make it really strange. And another thing as well is that English being my second language, so this is, it's really easy for me to make something sound weird because my thinking is weird. So my thinking, I'm always off in the expression, I always half remember it. And it comes with some. It come out. It comes out as something really different. So you said in this in this case, it's an advantage to be yeah. able to think in these different. Yeah, because I'm I'm just being creative with language because um, I don't I don't have it fixed in my mind. Right. It's mm. not. Yeah, it's not become concrete, concretized. Yeah, it's kind of soil I'm playing around with, because mm. my my level is sufficient so that I can make sense. I, I can get my express my emotions expressed. Um, but not everything is boring. I'm still playing with language and I'm still learning every day. And sometimes someone says something. And I'm repeating because I find it funny because it's the first time I hear it and they're just looking at me like, what's your problem? Why are you repeating what I'm saying? You know. Um, so this it's interesting to me, this conversation about, you know, whether poetry is useful or just a kind of frivolous pleasure. Um, I, got, I, I brought two examples today um, to illustrate either side of the argument. Yeah. Um, the the first one that really during during doing some research for this the first one that really struck out to me I was think I was trying to think of examples of 
poems that have had great impact on history that have really mm-hmm. moved people um you know she- the the poet shelley has this idea of um the the great kind of unacknowledged legislators of of uh the time like that poets are the great unacknowledged legislators of the age that somehow they 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 create the kind of moral norms and add to the moral fabric of the time that informs people's choices and decisions and perhaps even the creation of laws themselves you you don't subscribe to this idea do you No. But I was thinking of Maya Angelou when you said um mm. some some poets that really changed. And I think um I'm becoming more uh, acquainted with black poets in Brighton and I just realized the legacy there is of black poets in general as a counter discourse uh, in expressing um someone's condition you know in in expressing injustice well that's really interesting you bring that up because that kind of leads into the poem that i want wanted to share with you know how po- poetry even in this day and age can still be political can still um mm. be effective yeah. and consequential as well not just float in the air yeah and um, there's a there's a, a palestinian poet called uh darin tator Mm-hmm. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. And um in 2018 she was she was uh, convicted by an Israeli court of essentially kind of engaging in terrorism through the use of spreading her poetry. Mm-hmm. It was kind of seen as a kind of hate speech. And um many charities pushed back and associations pushed push back and argued a kind of freedom of speech line and much of the controversy surrounded the use of the word martyr and then it was kind of translated from arabic to hebrew as terrorist you know rather than martyr so there's kind of some mm. it's just kind of interesting time back into what we were talking about the difference in translation you know sometimes mm-hmm. there's political motivations to change yeah words but um i've picked a, a poem of hers which is a little less incendiary but i think it illustrates that she is indeed a a poet and not just a kind of political activist even mm-hmm. um this poem's called a female cry by derin tatur oh my life nestled in the heart of paper look here our sorrows have slammed shut the door of hope their ghosts embracing our color until we appeared like them the ink in poems of worry look at them how they sink their teeth in my side wolfing down my blossoms and sweet scents they killed my spring in its entirety stole my very life from the world unleashed the season of sleeplessness oh my life i have grown tired 
Let me depart to live out my life, secluded forever in the silence of my land. Let me, for I cannot overpower them. Charged as they are by rays of daylight and twilight alike. My chains won't be broken by you, O fate. While the trees of my oppression go unwatered by hope. I will go on living by withdrawing inwards. I feed off the fires of time and burn up. So long as I am imprisoned by silence, so long as I am occupied by sadness, how long have I lived on the ground of hope, beset by the flowers of life? I water them from the spring of struggle, raise them up through the resolve of youth. I play, sing for existence itself, Look forward to the birth of peace. Look forward to the birth of peace. I reveal every light with my eyes, yet these sorrows, O life of mine, follow me like my own name in the heart of this place, like echoes. O my silent letters in the drowning sea, let me struggle on in nothingness, alone with these sorrows, with tears of regret. I will always be inhabited by pain, as long as I accept being silenced. Oh, my dream, kidnapped from my younger years, silence has ravaged us. Our tears have become a sea. Our patience has bored of us. Together, we rise up for sure, whatever it was we wanted to be. So let's go, raise up a cry, in the face of those shadowy ghosts. For how long, O fire within, will you scorch my breast with tears? And how long, O scream, will you remain in the hearts of women? That's translated from Arabic. You haven't heard that before. What do you no. think of that? What is the you referring to? It's really hard to <laughs> to react to it um, firsthand like this. I think um, I think the you refers to potentially the. I'm just I'm just theorizing here. I think the you probably refers to. Occupation forces, Israelis, soldiers, Israeli government. Is she a Palestinian? There's obviously, there's obviously yeah. Oh. She's a Palestinian poet. Mm. But um, I found this poem and I found it incredibly moving and well-written and it appeals on an emotional level. Yeah. It's not even about any political content or... Yeah. It's not about um, one view or another. But it's not. Pr it's not pro-Palestine or pro-Israel. It's. I think what's political is that um, her talking about exper her experience when she's oppressed. Just her existence, you know. You know this phrase. Uh, 
uh, expect my resistance, res resist, <laughs> respect my existence, or expect my resistance. You know this phrase. I think her talking about her own experience is political in a way when you're oppressed, right? And that's a, right. a, a really powerful side of poetry is that it focus, focuses on experience and um, individual knowledge and especially embodied knowledge, you know, what people feel in their body. And as uh, what we study in anthropology, because I, I graduated from anthropology, is how much oppression is in people's bodies. So expressing that uh, expresses the oppression in a way. Yeah, I think, um, I think, like I say, rather than making any kind of political point, I think the, the, what I found interesting about the poem was that it has caused such a reaction in this day and age from those in power and you know they they put her in prison for making these kinds of noises you know writing these kind of poems and it 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 speaks to for me it speaks to the power that words and poetry still can have yeah well right in just in in authoritative governments just talking is very powerful uh, the, you know the in history you see the controversies around books how people burn books and how some ideas they're just too controversial because they empower the people um so there's always going to be space <laughs> around words and expression as um resistance and and the more the less freedom you have the more powerful it is i think the last poem that I picked today, just to kind of lighten the mood a little bit, and a poem which I connected with, and I think you might connect with as well, um, is a poem by Ogden Nash, and it's it's a lot shorter. It says, it goes, um, the people upstairs all practice ballet. Their living room is a bowling alley. Their bedroom is full of conducted tours. Their radio is louder than yours. They celebrate weekends all the week. Mm -hmm. When they take a shower, your ceilings leak. They try to get their parties to mix by supplying their guests with pogo sticks. And when their fun at last abates, they go to the bathroom on roller skates. <laughs> I might love the people upstairs more if only they lived on another floor. <laughs> yeah. Can you relate to that? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. And that's about as frivolous as poetry gets. Well, to conclude, can't we say that poetry is about all of human experiences? Right. It's just uh, creating a legacy. And, you know, first expressing yourself and second creating a legacy of uh, someone ex someone's experience at one point in their life. And do you, do you think about this when you write your poetry? Do you, 
you write light-hearted poetry as well. What do you say? Um, no, I find it hard because when I'm light-hearted, I don't write poetry, I just joke around. Mm. But I try to, you know. Um, what, do you say my, the poem I wrote was light-hearted? There's definitely comical elements in your in your poetry, right? Yeah, I, oh, I remember. Well, it's kind of a comic relief thing. Like, I remember when I was uh, taking the RER, like the, the subway, um, every morning, and it was jam-packed, and sometimes the train would stop and everything. The area, the uh, area is the um, French overline train in Paris. Yeah. And... Um, I find it so annoying, but I turned it into something really funny. And that's one of the poems I shared to people. And people were laughing. Oh, great. I don't, think I've, I don't think I've read that. No, it's a poem in French. Are you going to translate for us English readers? Uh, maybe. <laughs> but I saw it as um, kind of a circus or a play that people were doing in the, in the subway. Mm. And um, how we're all just repeating an act in a way. And um, so, in a way, it's light-hearted, but it, it came from, like, being really pissed off mm. from the situation. I think it's where I express myself energy. the most, yeah. Yeah. Is you can be coming from a negative place, but turning it into something positive. But usually when I'm positive, I find it hard to write, to be honest. When you're positive? Mm. Yeah. But that's something I may work on in the future. Yeah, so I think the the message of this episode today is kind of was just to explore the different ways uh, in which you can use poetry as a tool for expressing yourself, and because um, we we had this argument whether uh, poetry was political or not, and um, I think it just depends, to be honest. And it it touches different sen sensitivities um, in different contexts. So I hope that you related to this episode and that you found it interesting. Um, we'll see you in two weeks with a new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow our Instagram um, at Just poetry. Just recently to launched this week. Yeah, at poetry to your ears. Um, so that was Lulu. And that was Tom. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye bye.